Welcome back to That's Orgasmic. You are joined by your host, Emily Duncan, and today we are talking about men. We're going to discuss how men can talk about their sexual desires, specifically in a heterosexual relationship, penis size insecurity, conscious cocks, and how penis owners can use a vibrator on their cock. So if this is something that interests you, please keep listening. Welcome back to the show, Shaggers. Today, I am joined by Christopher Lovestone, an ingenious certified sex educator who is breaking new ground in sex education for men and couples. After surviving six divorces during his childhood, he went on to rewrite the rules of the relationship game so that people can actually win. His ingenious and practical approach transforms people's ability to get what they really want in their long-term relationship through the state-of-art communication tools, cutting-edge sex, and intimacy education and innovative relational strategies he empowers people to exit relationship exhaustion and cultivate the intimacy of their dreams with their partner his techniques have yielded him a widely successful 15-year marriage that gets hotter every year and you can find his teachings in his book conscious cock the empowerment sexuality manual for men so welcome to the show christopher thank you for coming on Ooh, I just love talking about this stuff. And yeah. yeah, you know, I don't do dating coaching. I'm not a dating coach. A lot of people will look for guys who are doing coaching in the relationship spectrum. And mostly what you find is like pickup artistry and dating coaches. And I don't do that. I do long-term relationship success strategies. And I want like hot, juicy, sexy long-term relationship, like where you don't dwindle 10 years in or five years in or two years in or 20 years in, like where you really stay engaged for as long as you want to be in that relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you find in working with long-term relationships, a common, like almost like a pitfall is like, what do you find the first thing that kind of starts to go wrong in that relationship is? I don't know about the very first thing, because that's so different for yeah. so many different yeah, people. Yeah, it is. Not necessarily the very first thing, but I'll say that there's a really uh, undeniably common occurrence in long-term heterosexual relationships, which is what I specialize in, of the woman feeling like she's kind of not being really seen by her partner, and her like emotionally backing up and then sexually closing to him kind of like rolling her eyes at him getting tired oh he's just being like a you know that guy again and and then he's like he starts to feel like well she's shutting down to me sexually she doesn't want to have sex anymore right she's not hot for me anymore and then that creates this new terrain in the relationship that they've never dealt with before the honeymoon phase is over and now they're into like the long-term commitment with dwindling desires shifting desires uh, so not necessarily the first thing, but something I see pretty much everybody in long-term relationship go through is, is this kind of, um, cliche pattern. And why is it cliche? Well, because it happens to like the majority of people I see in long-term relationship. Yeah. What about for men? Do you ever, like see them lose that sexual desire at all? And if you do, like, do you have any tips for overcoming that? I would like to like 
put a fine point on that. Okay, let's like put that under the microscope for a moment. I don't see that men often lose their sexual desire. They still have a lot, for example, in general speaking, men tend to have a lot of testosterone in their bodies. That testosterone, we could say from a biophysical uh, hormonal perspective, like creates a lot of desire, sexual desire. You ever seen a, a, a squirrel run in front of a dog? Like the dog can't help but want to run after the squirrel. It is like yeah. wired into their neurochemistry. And testosterone wires into our neurochemistry desire. And we experience mm -hmm. desire as arousal in our bodies. The cock will get erect, like we'll get flushed, our heartbeat will go up. Like we're literally wired for it if we've got a lot of testosterone in our system. And I, our testosterone levels do dwindle over time. Think of a 90-year-old guy compared to a 15-year-old guy, okay, or an 18-year-old yeah. guy. Definitely yeah. different testosterone levels, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it does decline over our lives. But in general, I don't see guys between like 18 to let's say 70 having much organic dwindling of their sexual desire inherently. However, in response to their partner, now that's a different thing. What about their desire for their specific partner? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a very. What true. you know? How many times can you see each other all frumpy and farting in bed, warts and all, like all the problems of life, stresses, arguments, before like that terrain of desire shifts between those two people. Right. So, but then there's also a component where he still feels this organic, biological sexual urge, which I'm going to say is rooted in testosterone. And then he wants to fulfill that urge with his partner who he committed to. Maybe if they got married, let's say for life, because a lot of people do that. They say, till death do us part, right? A lot of people do. If, if they did that, then he's like, well, I want to do that with you. Like, that's natural for him to want to express that biological desire with the partner he chose in life. But if they're arguing or like grumpy with each other or tired of each other, then like she doesn't want that anymore. Then he, 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 he doesn't know what to do with that. So this becomes a problem in a lot of relationships where she's like, oh, she's backing up from him emotionally and sexually, and he still feels a, a biological desire for sexual activity. And then within the container of the committed relationship, he wants to do that with his partner, but then he's kind of missing her mentally or emotionally. There's some aspect of her that he doesn't get and therefore she backs up. So it creates this real problem. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because it's definitely something we're not taught about. It's something you kind of just have to navigate on your own and it can be a really frustrating experience, I can imagine. I know even me trying to understand men, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> just listen to me. <laughs> and where do we get most of our, our learning about how to be in relationship or how to have sex? I'm going to ask you that question. Well, where do you I've think we get first... most of our I mean, like, I feel like you watch your parents, like how their relationship dynamic yep. is for starters. And like, that's a big, yep. a big thing. I have a question for you. How did going through so many divorces impact your perspective on what a relationship is? Right. So the first, if I can rephrase what you just said, the first um, examples that we have of how to be in relationship come from our caregivers or the people that we're surrounded by or our parents, for example, our family members, etc. And then from that, we get messages from television shows and movies. Really, that's where we see a lot of rom-com, sitcom, dramas, you know, all these, that's where we get all of our programming is like our caregivers and then media. 
Um, so yeah, I, my biological father was a drug addict and a cheater. <laughs> he um, was married and having two affairs simultaneously on the side with two college women. My mother was one of them in college, got pregnant in college. And then after that, let's see, my, my stepfather, uh, he was alcoholic uh, and abusive, and he was just serial monogamist. He, he had a joke that he was going to go through five marriages by the time he was 50. Oh, just disgusting, all right? Just disgusting. So I, you know, and then like she had multiple partners after that, uh, Vietnam vets who had PTSD, a lot of trauma, a lot of shadow and pain there that got exhibited in the relationship. Anyway, so I learned all these examples of how people can treat each other really badly, really heinously, just disgusting dysfunction. Just the worst of saying you love somebody, but then beating them up emotionally or financially or verbally. Um, so for me, I had an awakening moment in my 20s where I realized I was playing out those patterns and I didn't want to ever do that. But I thought I wasn't doing it, but I was. <laughs> but then I got my heart broken when I was 28, shredded, just totally destroyed, killed my entire identity, like my life laid flat. Like I did not know where I was going to go after that. So I, I took two years of being celibate and I did a lot of introspection and self-work and self-analysis. And I realized, wow, I'm playing out the same patterns that I saw my mom and her husbands and boyfriends do. And this isn't who I want to be in my life. I always believed that there was a better way. But after I got my heart broken and took a couple of years off from celibacy, then I was able to actually course correct in my life, actually start changing my behaviors rather than just talking the talk which a lot of people do. They talk a good talk, but they still do the same shit. Yeah, exactly. I, you able to talk about celibacy for a moment? I think I've never covered this topic, so it's really interesting, especially um, as a man, because I've often have only really ever seen women kind of, you know, say that that's a step they've taken. Are you able to, like, kind of explain, like, what that, what, that was, what that was like and was it a really hard decision to make? It was really hard for me to stop being in constant relationship. I love love. I love relationship. I really love the intimacy of, of having free-flowing love and sex energy with another human being that you go deep with, who knows you a lot. Like I, I, but to me, that's the best stuff in life. To other people, it's different. But to me, but that's, that's the gravy. Um, but I, when I was 28, I realized I'd been in constant relationships since 18 to 28, 10 years straight without ever taking a break for even a day. I would overlap relationships. I'd start one before the other one had ended, or I'd have multiple ones simultaneously. Um, or as soon as I got out of one, I'd start another one, maybe a day overlap or a day out of one. But, um, but basically nonstop since 18. Tons of testosterone, right? 18, buck and bronco bucking at the gates, trying to get out, like, pom, 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 out, you know, like real physical needs to, to have sex. And how did I ride that wave of hormones in myself? Well, anyway, when I realized that I'd just been in constant relationship, nonstop, never a break for 10 years straight, I'm like, well, who am I? Like, where am I in all this? Who am I separate of a relationship with another human being? 
And I, I said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm always defining myself. I had always been defining myself by how loving I was, how good I was in bed, all these ego things that we guys tend to do. Um, so when I had that aha moment, that huge crack that happened in my crust, um, I, I, I said, I'm just going to let this drop and just let it be, let, let myself feel the pain, feel the loneliness, feel the longing instead of just going on testosterone nonstop, like going on adrenaline, like people just run on coffee all day long. Like instead of doing that, let me stop that and feel my pain, go into my darkness and see what's there. Cause I had never stopped to look what's in my wake. You <laughs> know, what's behind me here. So it was painful. It was yucky. It stank. Oof, wasn't fun at all, but I didn't, I had an awareness come that I didn't want to miss the mark. I didn't want to, Miss the golden nugget in the shit pile. I want to turn that into compost, rich fertilizer, like change that alchemically. Um, so for me, it was difficult, but it was the first time in my adult life, meaning 18 plus, that I had given myself the time and space to separate from desire, from want, from need for touch, for intimacy, for relating, for another person to look in my eyes, all these things. So I started reading the books about self-development and finding your calling and healing and whatever, flying into space as an astronaut, whatever I was interested in, I just allowed myself to, to, to dive into it. So what, what was interesting in me, and I found my own internal landscape and I found my own internal compass through that. Um, I didn't stop masturbating. I didn't not make love to myself. I didn't stop pleasure. Like I still love my my hot baths for an hour with a book, you know, like I still enjoy chocolate and fine food. I didn't shut myself off from pleasure, but I did give myself, you know, deep relationship with myself. Um, so it was really hard at the beginning, but I knew if I was, if I just jumped into another relationship that I was going to be selling myself short. So I let that guide me, you know, and I kept showing up just like alcoholics going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. You got to, you just keep showing up. That's all you got to do is get to the door, just show up. And over time, it gets easier. And then I started just loving myself so much. <laughs> and I started having so much fun doing the things that I'd always wanted to do rather than having to moderate my life based on my partner's wants and desires and fear patterns and all their stuff. And I just started becoming awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say it. I started becoming brilliant. I started becoming magnetic. I started becoming just like I would, I would be in a room and people would just light up around me. Like my energy changed because I, I was clear. I was clean and I was full. I wasn't like a, a needy person. I wasn't half a person. I was a whole person who was radiating excitement and joy. That's, that's magnetic, man. So like my life shifted because I was able to go into or building a relationship with myself, separating from the neediness, the, the you complete me mindset of Hollywood, for example. And the funny thing about it, I got to say, <laughs> is that once I completely arrived in personal wholeness, no longer being needy, no longer having want or desire for a woman or sex or a relationship at all. I literally arrived in a new world. That's when the universe had my wife show up. 
you want to talk about fate. Some people are big about what the universe has to say. You know, some people, you know, are into astrology and stuff like that. You want to talk about that? Like, I'm not saying that that's what it is, but the moment that I was complete in myself, bam, that's when my life partner showed up. Not a moment before. It's like the moment I was ready, then it happened. I don't know. There's something making my skin tingle right now. Like, yeah, I no, 100% like, believe that. Yeah, I'm not that I'm that person. I'm always like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens in the right moment when it's meant to happen. Even if you don't understand it at the time, it's there to, you know, it's meant it's your time. Um, so that's really interesting. So was that your pull out of celibacy then? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, when she showed up, oh, it was a full soul. Hell yes. I mean, like. <laughs> Oh my God. It was, it was love at first sight. Yeah. And it was that it was the same thing for both of us. Mm-hmm. And neither of us were looking nor wanting, but then the moment it happened, there was no denying. I mean, talk about fairy tale. Absolutely. There's no way I could have planned that in my wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. How I was ready did... to not have a relationship for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. How did your now wife respond to the fact that you had been celibate? Because I can imagine for some men out there that might be like, oh, how are women going to perceive me maybe when they first are going into it, like jumping into that, taking that leap to do it? You know, that wasn't the big deal. Um, mm-hmm. That wasn't the big deal at all. The big deal was sharing our whole sexual histories with each other which is something I recommend to people who want to have a chance of having a good long-term successful relationship. If you really want it to have a good foundation for long-term success, I advocate that you take the time early in your relationship to share with each other your entire sexual histories. So there's no surprises down the road. Someday you mention somebody that you were with that you'd never mentioned to them. Ah, oh, that's going to cause pain five years into the relationship. That's going to be a big pain point. Don't do that. Give them the, all the truth. Put all the cards on the table. Let the chips fall where they may. And if they still choose to say yes to you, then like, oh my God, you've got an amazing partner. Yeah, with that's all the really information they chose to lean in. So that was the pain point right there. It was like discussing how in college I'd been a jerk and telling her how I'd been a jerk. And actually sharing all that information that I would have loved to have kept hidden. The celibacy part was easy. That was fine. That was self-development. That was me learning myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting because a lot of people, I know, I don't know if it's just an Australian context, but they say to, you know, not share, don't talk about your exes, don't talk about past relationships. I know um, other, like, older people, when they talk about their relationships and they've been together for a long time, they don't know, like, their past sexual history at all because they don't want to, you know, talk about it. So it's really interesting. That's a minefield. Yeah. That, that's like trying to like tiptoe through a minefield. Like you could, you could step on something and it blows up in your face and causes a lot of pain for both of you. Now I wouldn't do it if you're just dating. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, but if you're at a point in your relationship where you're both leaning into a feeling that's authentic for you of like, wow, this could go long-term. Like we both might really want to sign on for this. Like then bridging the topic and saying, well, you know, I'm kind of feeling like I would like to investigate with you. Could this work long-term? Would we possibly want to commit? 
Like, are, do we feel like we're really fundamentally compatible to go to another level? You know, and at, at, if the, you're both a yes to that saying, well, one of the things I'd like to do is just put everything on the table about who we are and whatnot. Like, I want to take this chance that if I let you really know who I am and you let me know who you really are, including your traumas and your joys and your passions and your erotic fantasies, <laughs> you know, the pleasure points too, not just the dark, but also the light. You know, what are your life's goals? What are your, do you want to go to Bali one day? Like, what do you, what do you want to do in your life? Like share everything about you and let the dust settle and do the work because something your, the other person says might trigger the fuck out of you. Something you say might trigger the fuck out of them. So do the work to sit through letting the dust settle and stay present and show up. And if at the end of that, you're both still standing there. Oh my God, you've got a chance at something truly special. Yeah. truly strong yeah that's really interesting now one thing that caught my attention your book's called conscious cock what is a conscious cock for all the shaggers out there that heard that name and went oh my god what is this <laughs> okay cock i'm referring to two things not just one thing yes the penis all right but also i'm referring to a rooster all right a rooster is a cock ever heard of cock fighting um, where there's two roosters that fight to the death or something like that. Anyway, um, cock also refers to a rooster. So it's a double entendre. It's a play on words. It's a pun. Um, I searched for years for a similar, an archetype to represent masculinity. Not Captain America, not Superman, not the Hulk, all right? Not like John Doe football player or music artist. No something more um, archetypal. And I couldn't find much, but I did come across some images out of China and Japan of this God who had a rooster head. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. The cock. Anybody ever grew up on a farm will know like that roosters have a really interesting energy. Like they're powerful. Yeah. They, 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 they crow their, their rooster crow and you hear it from a mile away. Their voice is really powerful voice. It's clear. They do. And they're very aggressive and they yeah, look after their Yeah, they're fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And they've got sharp. I had them sharp, chase me. What do they call it? The claw that's they're on like, their heel. Spur. Um, they're yeah, spur. spur. Yeah, spur. Yeah. Right. Those sp that poke your eye out. Like it's like yeah. a needle sharp claw. Like it, and they also have some of them have very beautiful plumage mm -hmm. so they can be striking to look at they can be beautiful and powerful and strong like warrior archetype at all but they also have the father archetype they look after their flock um and i was like wow that's a really interesting metaphor for masculinity and it, so cock means that image of the masculine but it also refers to the penis directly in sex in relationship with a woman a lot of women these days are in goddess circles or sisterhood circles and there are so many women that are doing their own empowerment work, going through their shadow, decoding their programming, et cetera. And they're like, they're, they're like, where are all the awakened men? Where are all the conscious men? Where are all the empowered men? And there's a lot of guys today who are like, well, I feel fucking trapped and paralyzed in the Me Too era. Like if I do something wrong, I'm going to get labeled a misogynist. I'm going to get labeled a male supremacist or, you know something like that like so there, there's so many guys trapped in nice guy syndrome but there's so many women that are like i want to feel your sexual power but without you being a jerk so conscious cock is about being this masculine energy 
but not being a nice guy and not being a jerk, but being able to embody our sexual power in a conscious way that creates an egalitarian relationship, an equalized landscape where both people can be giving and receiving, but without emasculating the guy and making him into this diminished feminine man uh, who doesn't have guts or courage or voice or sexual power in bed. That's not what, you know, no, no, we want to empower guys, but not to make them this like macho alpha jerk that's oppressive to women and doesn't listen to them. No, no, no. It's about finding this conscious way to create a terrain of equals, but empowered in bed, empowered in bed. That's hard for a lot of guys. They're like, I don't know if I can take the, take the, take the wheel in, in bed here. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I've seen on social media a lot, a lot of women are talking about because they are putting all this work into themselves and in doing so, they're finding that they're embracing a lot more of a masculine energy and they're saying they need someone who either matches that masculine energy or kind of just goes up it just that little bit um, more. And it's not that they, you know, don't want the, the nice guy. They just need someone who, you know, is confident in what they want and, you know, knows how to express that like you know this is what I want and need are you able to like talk about how men like how they can ask for what they want in like a sexual context like in bed oh absolutely thank you for yeah. bringing that up I've got awesome tools they're in my book you can get my book um on my website, consciouscock.com, as an audiobook, ebook, or paperback. There's worksheets and exercises in there to help guys, help any human being to um, be able to make a script for themselves on how to bring it up and how to have that conversation. Um, and there's also free downloads on my website, consciouscock.com. You can download a free worksheet and work it out there. But I could talk about it right now, too. Um, the, like we have so much fear about bringing some things up because of so many reasons. Like, let's say you're my girlfriend and I have a fantasy that I've always wanted to do separate of you. I've just always wanted to do it in my life, but we're in a relationship with each other, long-term committed relationship. Like who better for me to bring it up to than you, but I'm still terrified. What if you judge me? What if you back away from me emotionally? What if it causes a division? Like what if you shame me or belittle me? What if I, what if you just say no? to my lifelong dream. You know, like there's a lot of fear of being vulnerable about something that's so precious as like a personal fantasy. Uh, so ha setting the stage and um, setting the context really are the secret sauce to being able to bring something up. If you like get her attention and prepare her that there's something that's important to you that you wanna bring out and then share to her that you're afraid of bringing it up and why you're afraid of bringing it up and you set a, a time that's a good time to have that conversation not when she's just running out the door or when she's in a bad mood but like when she can actually focus on you and you can sink in together not when the kids are needing to get put to bed or whatever like she's got a deadline at work like you know if you do these things to create the container and the safe space for the conversation and prep her in advance um to get her attention on you and to put her in a, a state of empathy for you like if she's feeling a state of love and appreciation for you, and then you bring up a deep fantasy, like even if it's something that she doesn't want to do, like she's probably going to receive it pretty well. And that part's really important. If you give her the option to say no before you even bring it up, say, honey, it's okay if you say no. It's okay if you're not interested. Like I'm okay to hear you say no. 
um, just tell me no and that's okay. You know, I'll, I'll be able to, I'll handle it. Like if she feels that it's okay for her to say no, she's got an option, you're, you're not pressuring her, then she relaxes and it makes it easier for her to hear your, your fantasy. So with the love and empathy and the option to say no and her attention on you and a safe space without distractions, you have a really good chance of it going pretty darn well. <laughs> sharing some deep, authentic thing about yourself, sharing why you want to be able to share deep things about yourself. Like I want our relationship to be one where we, we can share deep realities, not have dark secrets, like really know each other deeply. That's the kind of relationship I want. Are you willing to do that with me? Like, can I bring up? A fantasy and maybe turn the tables and ask her do you have one you want to share with me i think too when you as daunting as you know that first conversation can be and even if they respond like no 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 it gives them time to think about it plant a seed because i know if someone approached me and i was like it just kind of shocked me like, oh no like i don't think that's something i want I'm obviously going to go away and think about it. And then as time goes, and if you're thinking about it, and then you're like, oh, maybe. And like, or you might find a way to come like halfway, test out a little bit, maybe not go like the jump straight in. Um, like there's so many opportunities there for it to go, even if it is met with a no, like straight away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really, that reminds me, thank you for saying that. That also reminds me that another part of it is that you want to share things about that fantasy that could be really amazing and how that could be really amazing for the two of you not just for me how it could be good for you too you know so that that gives our, our minds an option to choose to focus on rather than just focusing our own internal immediate reaction of negativity to that fantasy like give them something in their mind to hold on to as a handle handle to hold on to like a way that it could turn out really well and be good for your relationship without being pushy, not the pushy salesman. No, just giving good information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Going back to like being in bed, like that context, a lot of men get insecure about their penis size and it's something that they struggle with. And then there's also men who get really cocky, I could say, about their penis size, I think, because they have a big penis that they're going to be amazing in bed, even though they could, it's some of my like, least great sexual experiences have been with of like p men with big dicks and like I've had guys message me and be like hey look I'm really insecure about this like uh, it doesn't matter and so I just wanted to like put that to you like how can they overcome insecurity around their penis size oh let's talk just a tiny bit about the context of that okay yeah. that's really been fueled by porn and oh, porn yeah, is let's say mostly you know the growth of porn is mostly in the last 30 years definitely since the 70s before that it was just a few erotic postcards out of paris or whatever but like porn is now one third of all internet content like it is absolutely huge and what does porn show it shows big dicks doing yeah. what fucking like a machine yeah 100%. Bam, bam 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 like the moment that most and most porn flicks or movies or clips or whatever, usually the way it starts is, uh, or the intercourse starts is that as soon as the penis is in, he goes right into pile driver jackrabbit, right? There's no like slow loving, like heart connecting anything. Anyway, um, so all we see in these images that are so prevalent is big dicks fucking like a machine, like generally speaking. That's probably 99% of what we see in porn. 
So that is not good sex education. <laughs> that is not correct about uh, average human beings and average men and average penises and average men and women's heterosexual relationships, sexual relationships, you know. Um, it's false. It's actors being paid. Guys are getting paid by the inch length of their penis. If you've got a 14 inch big monster cock, you're making tons of money. If you've got an average size penis, you can't get into the business. So it's, it's all false expectations that we've internalized. So both the guy, the guy with the big dick who's like overconfident and the guy with average size or smaller than average penis who's like really worried, both stem from the same issue. And we can solve that issue if we focus on one thing. It's not all about your dick, guys. <laughs> okay. If your dick is your only pleasure tool, you're missing the majority of pleasure tools. Okay. A helpful thing in this context is to say, what if I was in a relationship and we were both women? One of us wasn't a man. One of us didn't have a penis. We were both vagina owners. We would still be making love. We would still be having orgasms. We'd still be having penetration. We'd be still having tons of fun sex, lots of it. You want to know how to make love to a woman? You can ask a lesbian and you'll learn a lot. You got 10 fingers. You got the palm of your hand. You got these amazing lips and tongue. They go really far. And then there's things like dildos and other sex toys, vibrators and sex swing, like there's tons of different things. So like, Thinking that the penis is necessary for sex is incorrect. Thinking that the penis is the basis of sexual pleasure is incorrect. It is literally not right. <laughs> okay, so shifting our focus out of penis-centric mentality into pleasure-centric. Pleasure is the focus. How can we build pleasure with all of our hands, fingers, mouths, tongues, our forehead, giving her head by rubbing on her pubic bone with our forehead, with your heart on her yoni? Like, there's so many ways to put your, your thigh between her, her legs and, you know, like press her up against the wall and kiss her passionately, like massage. Like, there's so many things you can do. So, if your guy is insecure, worried about the size of his penis and not being able to please a woman, it's like, it's okay, honey. Like, you can learn a, a million other tools that will more than compensate for that. And like, even if you're a guy with a big dick, don't just focus on your dick, learn a million other tools too, please. Like it can hurt to have sex with a big dick. You know, you, you can just drive into her cervix and, and, and cause her so much pain that she's doubled over and wincing for days afterwards. Like you don't wanna do that to somebody that you love. You wanna be sensitive and create pleasure in every moment. So the solution is not to think that our dick is everything. It's yeah. not. Yeah, that, yeah, don't send dick pics. <laughs> don't do it. Oh, don't, that's a, literally. Send I an erotic know. photo. Send like a beautiful painting of a couple. Send something that's enticing and arousing, not a picture of your dick. Your dick is yeah. just your dick. That's all it is. Have you ever had guys explain to you why they just send like an unsolicited dick pic? Because that is something that happens so often. And I was just like, why? It's like, where did this it's come because- from? It's the same thing that we're just talking about right now, in my opinion, yeah. is just a, a programmed mentality, a mentality that we're not even aware that we have, that that is our sexuality. But like, what about the rest of your body? <laughs> you know, I, I like to teach that your entire body is a sexual organ. Like, how about doing a full body massage with oil and candles and nice music and, and not putting a time limit on it and just doing that and not having penis and vagina sex and calling that a great date night. You should try it sometime. You don't have to have an orgasm. You just build the erotic energy and attention. Like it's not all about all about your dick. You can, you know, guys, we can always just go masturbate and have an orgasm whenever we want to. Like we don't have to have it in this session right now with our lover. We can explore all this other rich terrain 
and we can get off anytime we want to. Don't use your partner as a way to get off. You know, use your partner as a way to build pleasure, connection, and intimacy, and erotic energy. Like, don't use her as your masturbating hand. That's not fair to her. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I think if we did that, if all relationships all of a sudden just focused on pleasure, the orgasm gap, all of these things would just change. All of a sudden, it wouldn't be like only like 70% of women, I think it's only 65% can say like they regularly orgasm during sex only like eight, 70 to 80% um, like can't orgasm during penetration. Like it would just take all those, all those stats away for starters and would let women fully experience pleasure and probably take a lot of shame out of our bodies too. Because once you start exploring those different things, you can kind of take some shame out of there and work through it as well. What about some men feel intimidated by sex toys and they don't want them in their partnered yep. sex? Right. Why? Why? Why is this? Because my cock should be the answer to everything, right? Because I am my cock, because I, my cock should be the only focus in the relationship. It's back to the same programming thing that we were talking about early, earlier about guys with, with, with either penis inadequacy feelings or the big dick guys that just feel like he's the best gift to women on the planet, stuff like that. Um, you know, I, most guys think that vibrators are for women, just to say it. They just think that. Most guys don't know that they can come from a vibrator. Maybe they put a vibrator on their cock and they felt the vibration sensations, but they didn't know that they could actually get to orgasm from it because they're not used to that kind of pleasure profile. But you can Guys can. There's a little spot on the underneath of the penis, just underneath behind the urethral opening, the, 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 the eye. Just, it's called the frenulum. Uh, you can look it up or it's in my book in one of the diagrams. And it, honestly, it's like the hidden G spot for guys on, on the surface of their cock on, externally. And you put a vibrator on that. I've been able to come without even having an erection. Hold on a minute. Coming without having an erection? What? that's not supposed to be able to be possible anyway so like we shift this landscape by shifting our our preconceived notions yeah guys can get a lot of fun from vibrators it's not just these sucky tubes that are um fake yonis and fake mouths you know masturbation tubes there's way more than that vibrators can be so amazing yeah that's awesome (laughs) yeah get that in there definitely really good for the guy too yeah, and it opens up their sexual pleasure and, you know, takes it away from them just feeling penetration. It's so much more than that for both, for everyone. You know, it gets me really excited. A lot of guys are afraid of coming too soon, right? It's a real fear. So good. Penetration feels so amazing. Like, we, we can't help. And we're biologically wired to, to ejaculate, like, for reproduction. Like, it, it feels so amazing. And I want to share for guys on the sex toy topic that like if you're afraid of coming too soon embracing sex toys allows you to relax your fear of coming too soon because you can let yourself come when it feels good even if that's one or two minutes into sex it's fine because then you say like okay honey i came but like while i'm recovering in my refractory period let me get out the vibrator or let me go down on you or let me use my hands or do you have a dildo that you like or something like that? Like continue the pleasure through the refractory period while the time, the guy, the time it takes for the guy to recover his sexual energy. 
And inevitably, as you're continuing to play, his cock gets hard again because it's so fucking hot to be making love with you, right? That like he's hot again and then he's ready. And then oftentimes what happens is that the second time he's making love, after he's already come once, he gets to last a long time organically. He's not focusing on lasting longer. He just has more stamina because he already came once. Yeah, definitely. That's a great, that's great advice. And that will make every sexual experience just so pleasurable for both people. If Yeah. And it takes that fear away too, which is so, so important because so many guys do feel fear around that. So yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking about all of these issues. It's yeah, awesome. It took a turn that I wasn't expecting, which was great. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. Thanks for listening in, Chaggers. As always, please reach out with any comments, stories, questions to my Instagram at That's Orgasmic or my email, emilyduncan at thesealedsection.com. Please, if you can, spare the minute, go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that would mean the absolute world to me. So thank you, Shaggers, and I will see you next week. <gasps>